Music Harrison Price for Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're heading downtown for a game, a holiday party, whatever the case may be, you know, tis the season. Leave the car at home. Take a staycation here at the Wall Center. Call them 604-331-1000. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price. Grace Ass hitting switches, conducting things this show. Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Infinity is located in the Richmond Auto Mall and fabulous deals on the 2023 and 2024 QX60s. Lease them both. From 2.99%, smashing deals right now across the Infinity line. Go visit them. It's Applewood Infinity at the Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good at Applewood. I gave you a lift in the QX60 the yeah. other day. What'd you think? I said it's a nice, huge cockpit for yeah. people that are... Uh, uh, Space-consuming? Yeah. <laughs> Size-challenged in, in a big way. And I don't mean width. I mean overall. You need legroom. I do need legroom. Yeah. Well, it's it's good. got plenty of legroom. Yep. And in fact, uh, we loaded it up with six people. We could go Saturday for a holiday party. And yet not so grotesquely large that you Went can't all park the way these... to Deep Cove from Kits. Parking's not terrible, though. No, no, no not the least. Not, it's not a full, full size. It's, it's just a awesome big one. Vehicle. Yeah. Paul, question today. Will any Canuck catch Nikita Kucherov in the scoring race? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikharison Price on Twitter or YouTube. Nikita Kucherov comes to town Tuesday for the Tampa Bay Lightning as the National Hockey League scoring leader, and he's extending, ladies and gentlemen. More on this with John Shannon later in the show. But 47 points for the talented Tampa winger. He's got seven more than Miller right now. 10 more than Elias Pettersson, even off Petey's three-point night Saturday. And 11 more than Quinn Hughes. I voted no. It's going to be tough. I do think you got Connor McDavid now swooping up the leaderboard, and the Oilers have won seven straight hockey games. And, look, I hope one of them stays in contact here because it's been fun tracking the day-to-day scoring race in the National Hockey League. We haven't done it as much over the last week or so. Because of Kucherov extending and because the Canucks have gone a little a little quieter. But I'd love to see one of those three Canucks up there in March when we're playing for keeps. McDavid and Jack Hughes are second in points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jack Hughes, of course, missing all that time. He's seven games in arrears on, on Nikita Kucherov. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, McDavid's up to 36 points. He's 11 back. He has five games in hand. Yeah, on Nikita Kucherov, and unlike Jack Hughes, who won't be able to make back some of those, um, McDavid's only missed two games, so he'll actually get to play a few more of those and try to catch up to Kucherov. Yeah. Same lineup tonight, or Tuesday, as won the game on Saturday against Carolina, and uh, Thatcher Demko in goal. Of course, Thursday, the big Roberto Luongo Ring of Honor ceremony. The two Florida teams here back-to-back for the Vancouver Canucks. This is the second time we've seen this. Of course, we saw it earlier in the year when the Canucks traveled down to Florida, lost in Tampa, and then got a nice comeback victory in the third period in South Florida. 
I've been chronicling the calendar since the start of the season. Canucks have only lost, and as you look at a calendar, again, it's Sunday to Saturday for most people as you look at a calendar. Canucks have only lost one week of the season. Yeah. And it was actually that week, that, right? Philly and Tampa. That's right. Mm-hmm. They have not lost a calendar week since then. They've they've drawn it two and they've had a two and two week, but they haven't lost a week, and that tells you a so lot. So you count the sa- Sunday through the sa- Saturday. Okay. That's yeah. when you when you look at a calendar, a paper calendar. That's right. what it, it is, right? No, that's fair. Um, this is going to be a tough one to pull down. I mean, you got yeah. two at home, but Minnesota's more more competitive there on the on the Saturday, and these first two at home are are no tap ins here. So it's going to be a tough week. Recently lost to Minnesota as well. Yeah, or sorry, recently beat Minnesota, breaking their Winning streak, the, yeah. After John Hines took over as head coach, and of course, um, I guess this wouldn't count with the way you gauge the weeks, but back to back this weekend with morning starts. Well, eleven a.m. Saturday, twelve p.m. Sunday in Chicago. Our first chance to see the Vancouver Canucks against that young man from the North Shore. Who plays? He uh, doesn't get any national exposure, so I, I'm not. Who are you referring to? Who plays the other Connor mm-hmm. tonight? As a matter of fact, in the Alberta, in the Alberta capital, uh, Jim Rutherford, Canucks president of hockey operations, just rounding two years on the job. He gives an interview to Sportsnet's Ian McIntyre on the Andre Kuzmenko affair, quoting Rutherford: "Well, we'll keep an open mind." I don't want to just lock ourselves into one answer, but we need to continue to try and help him. I'm concerned only to the point that now he's feeling the pressure. And when you feel the pressure and you start pushing, squeezing the stick harder and passing when you should be shooting and vice versa, you get a little bit concerned. I believe in the staff we have and they will continue to work with him. He's a good player. Is he a capable player? He is a capable player. Is he a guy that's going to score 40 goals again? Maybe not. But certainly the way he plays, you should be able to project him at 25. So Rutherford basically saying what you have been saying here for a while, that, okay, maybe he's not a 40-goal scorer, but by all rights, he should be a 25-goal scorer. And that's still a good value contract for a 25-goal scorer. 25-goal scorers make $5 million in this league. They do. I mean, Brock Besser's not really even been that, and he makes more than that. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not a terrible deal if he's a 25-goal scorer, but he's got to prove that he's that even at this point. Well, and I like the comment about we've got to work with him. Yeah. Yeah, it's on you to a degree as well. It's certainly mostly on the player, Mm -hmm. but it's also on the staff, Rick Tockett, Mike Yo, and how many coaches were on the ice that morning? Eight coaches on the ice. you got two Sedins there. Like, there's a lot of people, resources available to Andre Kuzmenko. So I like we didn't sewer the player here. But you read between the lines, and could you see these sorts of comments foreshadowing a trade? Yeah, I could see that as well. I mean, if he if he had a good couple of weeks, do you trade him then? You know, prove his rehabilitation, if you will. I mean, again, you don't have. To, it's not like a guy who's had a couple of bad years. He's had a he's had a bad start to the season off a forty goal season, effectively last year. So, um, I don't think you need to rehabilitate this player as much as you do, you know, a player coming off a down year or two. You just need to remind people that he's going to be a bit of a streaky scorer. So, 
you know, he doesn't come out of the lineup, which is nice. Not that the Canucks necessarily had a great option to take him out of the lineup versus Tampa because Pew Suter's probably not totally up to speed just yet. But I suspect time is running out on, on Kuzmenko with Suter on the mend here that he may be the easy deletion from the lineup because if he's not scoring, what else is he doing? At least Phil Giuseppe can rattle the boards can do something else if he's not contributing. Uh, Kuzmenko's got to contribute, and I think it would even be fine. If he gets 12 minutes tonight but scores a power play goal, I think Rick Tockett's okay with that. But he's got to prove his worth some way. Well, and the thing is, is he had nine points in his first 10 games. So he didn't even really have that bad a first month. No, but it was, a, it was a bit of a Pedersen thing, too, where it was sort of like, Fair. he's getting points, but what's he doing out there? You know, Fair. Um, and, of course, part and parcel of that is fattening up in that 10-1 win against San Jose. And, in fact, there were several fattening up nights for the Vancouver Canucks in that first month. 8-1 versus Edmonton, 5 nothing versus St. Louis, 10-1 versus San Jose. But, I mean, you could almost argue he's had a bad month as opposed to he's had a bad season. Yeah, I, I stand by trying to rehabilitate this player before you do anything rash. Now, big news out of Calgary last night. Former Vancouver Canuck Chris Tanev takes a hit on his first shift of the hockey game, leaves, does not return. Played all of 15 seconds last night. We still don't have total clarity on what the injury or what's the matter with Tanev, but he's not going to be playing this evening for the Calgary Flames. Calgary is back at it tonight against Vegas after uh, losing what uh, what looked like a pretty fun game last night in Denver Yeah, against the Colorado Avalanche, 6-5, to five, with three goals in the third period for Colorado. Oh, what was it, a week ago that we were talking about the two three-goal comebacks in the third period and how the... Had the Canucks done it against Jersey, it would have been the first time in the history of the National Hockey League that on the same day, three different teams came back from three goals down to win games in the third period. Well, it happened again last night in Denver for the Avalanche. So, you know, this was always the risk that Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames ran with Tanev. We know... From years of watching the player, he is fearless. Hell, he blocked a shot with his face a couple weeks back. He's going to be involved physically. He's going to get forechecked. And if there is a knock on Chris Danoff, I mean, outside of the fact that he's not a particularly gifted player with the puck, it's just the durability. He tends to miss games. Tends to miss important games. And because of the way he plays and because of coaches' reliance on him as that defensive stopper, when he's out of the lineup, boy, he's really missed. Because now you're talking about slotting and people in different roles that they're not accustomed to playing. I I, I did, you know, when they moved Zadorov, I thought, okay. If you're making that move, and I understand he had a uh, a trade request there, 
and especially based on what Frank Saravelli has told us in terms of don't necessarily look at Calgary vis-a-vis the standings and draw any connections there. Yeah, sure, they'd like to win, and sure, they'd like to contend for a playoff spot. But you got a new GM there who's dealing with, let's face it, a shit sandwich. All these UFAs, and many of whom have already expressed interest that uh, they want greener pastures. They, and, uh, they want to move on. Well, bigger than so, that is the ineffective players making scads of dollars oh, over the next yeah, 10 years. Yeah, no, like Hubert yeah. Owen uh, most notably. But, you know, you did wonder, okay, if, if they're making the Zadorov move, are, are the other moves to come here, particularly Tanif, because he's healthy and playing reasonably well. But health is fleeting for Chris Tanif. Oh. When you play the way that he does. No doubt. I mean, he is but skin and bone like the rest of us, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's, you know, remarkable. Um, it, it's remarkable how often he gets hurt. I mean, like, because there's also some bad luck involved here as well, Blake. There is. There you is. Know, like, some of it is the way he plays, unquestionably, but some of it is just flat bad luck on the part of Chris Tanoff. Now, the other thing about. Tuesday here is the Vancouver Canucks, because of that victory over Carolina, jumped back over the L.A. Kings in the standings with 37 points to 36. And L.A. picked up one of those games in hand. Remember, they had four. Well, they're sitting on three, just one point back of the Canucks, and they don't play tonight. So you've got the Canucks versus the Lightning, where a victory would allow you to extend to a three-point margin versus the Kings, and then suddenly the pressure back on L.A. a little bit Wednesday as they host the Winnipeg Jets. And frankly, the uh, Winnipeg Jets have played some pretty good hockey here since Rick Bonus has come back. Topping the division. Winners of four in a row. Well, Colorado won last night, so they're back down to third place. But, yeah, uh, 16-8-2, which is pretty darn good for the Jets, having won four in a row. So I didn't see that coming for them. And it's not like, I mean, Hellebuck's been been good, but it doesn't feel like it's just been goaltending here for them. You know, it's a decent team, I think. On a football, and we'll get to Monday night here in a second, but first, and I suppose this is soccer as well, but some – Renovations coming to BC Place Stadium in advance of the 2026 World Cup. Sounds like some interesting stuff. One big missing piece. Explain. And well, no grass plan yet. We know that's got to happen for the World Cup. So they haven't. What they how this came out is that they've you know applied for applications for who wants to do this these these jobs. So that's what this is all. Um, all about they they've already announced that they're going to be putting four new screens on the exterior of bc place team those will be in before the end of the month excellent so that will put it you know that'll make it look kind of slick yeah you know like i mean the screen right now at terry fox plaza is beautiful right so they're actually replacing that one i think uh, just for better quality and to match i guess the 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 other four but it'll be like those i think and and on the on every uh, side so that's pretty fun the other thing that's happening a connector between the park casino and the stadium. Walk right out of the casino into the stadium. That'll be a cool corridor, um, yeah. particularly for Whitecaps supporters if they plan to use that route on their march to the match. It just it, it, that creates a vibe, mm-hmm. right? That creates right. Uh, a uh, 
a destination, something happened. When I was a kid, Blake, my uncle used to take me to the Montreal Forum for Canadians games, and we would park across the street at the shopping center, and there was an underground walkway. Yeah. And it was amazing to yeah. see all the colors and to get see fans getting hyped up for the game. Of course, the way back after wins was a very festive place. So, no, I love it. They've uh, BC Place currently has 50 suites on level three, the middle band, but it doesn't go all the way around. So it sounds like they're going to make it go all the way around. Yeah. Uh, so there'll be more suites. Are they cutting into press box room? Because it's a beautiful and big press box, but it is probably too large in today's modern media environment. Although that said, you're preparing for the biggest influx of press ever when we're talking about a World Cup. It says court. they are renovating media spaces mm -hmm. in 2025. I don't yeah. know if that's making them smaller, but it says they're renovating banquet rooms, the merchandise store, food courts, washrooms, dressing rooms, and the Edgewater Lounge. And uh, all that sounds pretty damn good. The other thing that's interesting here, and I'm in no way cheering this on, or maybe we are if it means a good thing for them, but a big part of you talk about media space taking up that middle band. The other thing that takes up that middle band? BC the, Sports Hall of Fame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I sure hope it's offices is my understanding, yes. not the exact. Well, not. no, and and I think there is no, there's a, a look a look in as well mm -hmm. there. So I, you know, I I don't think it's necessary for the BC Sports Hall of Fame to occupy that particular bit of real estate. It's just if they're going to move, I hope they get a good spot. Well, you know? and in the stadium too. Sure, or or adjacent, just somewhere oh, as prominent. Let's keep and, them in the stadium. Let's, yeah. I I, th I mean, I'd, I'd have to know what the alternatives are if they're not going to be there. And I'm not, and I'm not saying they're moving. No. I, I'm just saying that if that was going to be a part of the plan, mm -hmm. uh, let's hope they'd be accommodated. As for those Monday nighters, a couple of upsets on a rare double header. Well, I'll say double header, but they started at the same time. So Miami blows that game to Tennessee, who scores a couple times late, and they do not pull even with Baltimore atop the AFC. And because of that, the Dolphins have left the Bills in it here for the AFC East. Buffalo is two games back. They play Miami on week 18. That's the finale. Of course, already have a win over the Dolphins. So if Buffalo is able to make up a game here over the next three weeks, then they would be playing Miami for the division on week 18, Buffalo's got the Cowboys in Western New York. Then they go at the Chargers. Then they're home to the Patriots. Miami, on the other hand, and now, of course, Miami, having played Monday night football, you're coming off, you're coming off the short week. They're home to the Jets. They're home to the Cowboys. So each team has the Cowboys left. And then they're at Baltimore. Boy, better get this Jets game, Miami. And then the Giants upset the Packers. And Green Bay at 6-7 six and seven, still clinging to the final playoff spot in the NFC. But a couple of bad things for the Packers on this loss. Number one, you've invited the 6-7 and seven teams into the playoff push a Five little more of readily them right now well Five. three of them in the nfc south yeah so you're actually have allowed for the opportunity that one of the losers in that division could actually wild card rams and seahawks are the other 
six and seven teams that suddenly have a little bit more life. And then the other problem there for Green Bay is Minnesota is seven and six. Minnesota has three divisional games left. They got Detroit twice and the Packers. Minnesota's already got a win over the Packers. So right now, if you're Green Bay, you're a game back of Minnesota. They currently have the tiebreaker against you. The good news for the Packers, they've got Buccaneers. They go at Carolina before a visit to the Twin Cities and then home to Chicago. Are they seeded by points in that first round? Remind me. Or is it division winners get the top seeds? No, division winners, believe it or not. So so Minnesota right now would take on Detroit. Is that right? As you see it? At 7-6, and taking on division-leading Detroit at 9-4? and Uh, Let me just take a look. Minnesota's the sixth seed right now. Yes, they would play Detroit. Yep. Be Tampa-Philadelphia in the 4-5 game in Tampa, even though the Eagles have 10 wins and Tampa has six. Uh, it'd be Dallas and Green Bay. And, of course, San Francisco would get the like bye. Did, Dallas is a funny team, capable of winning any, uh, against anybody, capable of, I think, booting it versus well, anybody. Their history has been that yeah. they have played some of their worst football on the biggest stages. I do wonder whether this is a different breed of Cowboys team, though. But like the way Dak is playing, the way Parsons and that defense is going – Minnesota's two and four at home and five and two on the road. Like And they got a quarterback problem, Blake, because they did nothing Sunday in Vegas. My point is that ostensibly a team that's six and seven right now mm-hmm. could easily become where Minnesota is by the end of the season. Like they, if, hey. you're, if you're New Orleans, Atlanta, Seattle, or LA Rams, you mm-hmm. could be Minnesota, and then you're taking on Detroit. Mm-hmm. Detroit's a good team. I'm not but but they're not. They're imperfect. They're team. not. They're an imperfect team. Yeah. You mm-hmm. could get a playoff win out of this if you're one of those teams. And then, I mean, the AFC—it's just incredible with all those seven and six and eight and five teams. And now Miami wants to join that pack as opposed to standing out with Baltimore and trying to get the first. The seat, mushy so. middle is the it, NFL. It is, it's the entirety of the <laughs> yes, NFL. Yes. Well, like five and eight teams in the NFC aren't out of it. My Bears have won two in a row. Like if he feels continues to play well. They may have an outside chance. The dream is alive. The dream is alive. Ridiculous as that may sound. On to soccer. And just want to say thank you to everybody at Whitecaps FC, Nathan Vanstone, Brandon Timko, Vanny Sartini. They uh, hosted a little media holiday party last night at the Cactus Club, Canada Place. One of us was able to attend. Yeah. Yeah. One of us got stuck in Lionsgate traffic. Mm -hmm. For three hours. It's okay. So had a marvelous time there. Caught up with our uh, friends Halford and Bruff, uh, your broadcast partner. Both of them. In fact, we should have gotten that photo. Dolan, Miller, me. We're all there. Where are you, Blake? Yes. Where are you, Blake Price? Mm-hmm. Opportunity lost. Grady, especially for the Insta account, I'm putting myself on E's and O's. Uh, that was great fun. One of the topics around the table, Don Carlo. Oh, yeah. Ancelotti. And whether there's a world where he would coach Canada, his adopted country, the team he was rooting for at last year's World Cup, he's on record. Because Ancelotti this week, quote, I've not received any call from Saudi 
I've another plan and it's not about Saudi. I never decided anything based on the financial package. Money is not crucial. I've got enough money. I just want to feel good. You tell me that there is a better feel good opportunity for this legendary coach than Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, where his missus is from, and the opportunity to not just further extend his soccer legend, great Blake, which is already as grand as any manager in the sport, but to be a builder of some, there's not many places you can go on this soccer loving earth of ours and say, yes, I helped build something there with regards to the sport. This is the final frontier in North America. He wears the Canada shirt. as We all know. And I just, I sure hope that Charmaine Crooks and Vic Montaliani and anybody else who has got a say in this, pull out all the stops to bring Ancelotti here. Uh, You're uh, going to eat your words, Blake. I don't like the way you look at me when yeah. we have this discussion. <laughs> it is very patronizing, and I reject it no, wholeheartedly. I, I, I applaud the connecting of dots. It's a it's an unbelievable like Disney movie. I, I will watch the movie Blake, when they bring it out. Blake, how many people outside of Don Garber come to this city and don't fall in love? Everybody yeah, falls in yeah, love. Yeah, it's true, but it, it, there's more to that. Rudy Gullet, in a, in a completely unrelated to Canada uh, thread, I just a quote I read to you. He said he thinks that Ancelotti's a better coach than Pep Guardiola and Sir Alex Ferguson in terms of European success. Like that's the that's the kind of manager we're talking about here. Um, I would love it to be true. I just don't see it happening. And incidentally, it comes on a day in which we get a little bit of color from John Herdman about his oh, performance yeah. at the last World Cup and saying that he 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 admits he, he probably shouldn't have gone. Um, he admits he lost his sister. Um, really sad. Who had mental health issues, and he was just not in a good place. And it, 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 it might explain a few of the and it showed, like, things it that he showed. said. And, you know, he had an exposed nerve, you know, probably because of all the tragedy he had just experienced. And um, he admits he probably shouldn't have gone. Yeah. Incidentally, Whitecaps could be in action as soon as February 3rd in Champions League. Yeah. You did some reverse engineering and um, part and parcel of all that, and it would be a game here at BC Place, is take a look at the MLS sides that have qualified for Champions League and tell me you want to go to any of this places for a February 3rd outdoor game. So BC Place paying dividends here, but it means a very early start. To the white cap season. I know Vanny's prepping to be in uh uh to be in full go mode a couple days after New Year's. So well the good news for that it's is upon us. I mean, we just had MLS Cup. We say this every year, and here we are, wait a week or two, and next season is upon you. The uh the good news there is it'll it'll shake and it'll, they always try to start well. Um but now they have to start well because, you know, they've got an actual competitive match, you know, probably three weeks before their first MLS match. So um, as much as they have not been getting off to great starts in MLS regular season play the last few years, um, being ready for an actual competitive match that matters in early February means that um, it'll be pulling out all the stops. Yeah. Incidentally, uh, Vanny with a good line 
last night as he addressed uh, the folks in the room that he really enjoys speaking to us before and after games. Sadly, he'll miss us for the first game next year. Yes. At least. Yes. Appeals, I'm sure, underway for the rest. <laughs> I, I asked him about that. There is still some uh, communication that has to uh, yeah. go back and forth between the league and uh, and Vanny on uh, how best this is going to be uh, meted out. So we'll see. Shout out on a personal level here. Shout out to Oscar of Unique Accommodations, a Sakarison Price listener. He got a service call to a Sakaris residence oh. earlier this week and said to my parents, you don't happen to be related to. And they went, yeah, yeah, we are. So thank you, Oscar, for taking good care. Menu time brought to you by our friends at Greta. Greta, great spot to catch the games throughout the season. A quick walk to the Rinker Stadium. It's a go-to spot for food, drinks, and fun before and after the game. So pre and post there as well. Make it a game night at Greta, 50 West Cordova, or at GretaBar.com. We'll talk to John Shannon. Wow, fantastic topics with John today. Roberto Luongo, Ring of Honor night, uh, the scoring race in the National Hockey League, Connor versus Connor for the first time as well. What's up in Tampa, Carolina, Pittsburgh? We got some uh, British Columbia coaches in the league that uh, teams aren't playing the best. We got a former Canuck assistant coach on the team isn't playing the best. His general manager's going back to Toronto and probably going to avoid media. Anyways, fun conversation with John Shannon, including the pickup and intensity of the physical play in the NHL here over the last week or so. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, a good turn for a Canadian golfer and the sniping and backstabbing and infighting continues in the PGA live split. And uh, then Otani and his contract and what it's actually going to mean in dollars and cents after he defers. Hold on to your hat here, Blake. $680 million deferred. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter.com. Brought to you by VGH Millionaire Lottery. And what's bigger than the trade deadline? How about the early bird draws? You have until midnight, Friday, December 22nd to get in on 51 early bird draws in the VGH Millionaire Lottery. These draws are worth more than $200,000. You win an Audi e-tron GT or a private jet experience that includes 20 grand in cash or... $125,000 plus 50 winners will win 1000 with your VGH Millionaire Lottery tickets. You get in to win one of the 10 grand prize options, or you can take $2.7 million in tax-free cash. Don't forget your 50-50 plus tickets. And of course, every ticket purchased supports VGH and UBC Hospital Foundation. Order in person, London Drugs, online at millionairelottery.com. 19 plus to play, know your limits. Play within it, Blake Price. Uh, big win last night uh, for the Colorado Avalanche over the Calgary Flames at Bar Down. Miko Rantanen says his three-point performance was a response to criticism from Arturi Lekkonen's dad, Ismo Lekkonen, who is a hockey analyst in Finland. Ismo reported that Miko was not training in the summer like he used to. And if your, your brain is doing backflips, you're going, Arturi Lekkonen plays for the Flames? No. That's his teammate's dad. Arturi Lekkinen still plays for the Avalanche. Lekkinen's dad, 
is a commentator back in Finland and was ripping his son's teammate. It got back to Miko Rantanen, who said that he was fired up because of that criticism. And uh, he didn't say that in like an inspirational way when he was asked about a post game. He said it like that guy's a piece of bleep kind of way. Um, yeah. So I anticipate when Arturi Lekin returns from injury, um, this is going to be a little awkward. It's going to be a little awkward in mm-hmm. that room. Boy, you want to poke an athlete, talk about their off-season training. Yeah, because it, it, it attacks the quote-unquote professionalism. Right. Their character. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, though, from like a teammate's parent. That's unbelievable. Oh, well, maybe uh, Lekin's available by the trade. Yes, <laughs> yes. At Bob Weeks TSN. Mackenzie Hughes has been officially moved to number 50 on the FedEx Cup rankings after John Rahm's departure for Liv. That gives him entry to all the signature events for 2024. And look, very happy for a Canadian to make this cut on the PGA Tour. We've talked about how this is a golden era for Canadian golfers with Nick Taylor, of course, winning the RBC Canadian Open, but... Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, Surrey's Adam Svensson, Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin all on tour and occasionally contending. But one of these things is not like the other if you're a PGA Tour signature event or sponsor, right? Yeah, it's changed. Mm -hmm. The other thing we should say, um, updating, and despite all the reports saying Tony Finau is headed to live, Tony Finau says, no, he's going to stay on the PGA Tour. Hmm. I just like watch this story over the next two and a half weeks, Blake, because yeah. something tells me that Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour are so backed up against the wall in a corner here that you might see a like Friday before Christmas press release yeah. on the future of golf. Yeah. And and the, the the unfortunate part is I don't think John Rom leaves if Monahan doesn't cave initially to live. You know, like if it's still PGA Tour versus Live, mm-hmm. and the the rumors of the merger and stuff like that weren't there, I don't know if John Rom leaves. Well, l- let me follow up then with a, a second hashtag at Nuclear Golf. This is from the book that golf writer Alan Shipnuck is working yep. on, and of course he wrote the fantastic Phil Mickelson book. A Live golfer and former Ryder Cup teammate of Rory McIlroy's, quote, fuck Rory. I'm so sick of hearing about how he's some kind of hero who's saving golf. He's bought and paid for like everybody else. It's just that his money is coming from the other side. Did you know that when Whoop want, want, wanted to do a deal with the PJ Tour, the tour insisted that Rory be one of the endorsers? He was given a $10 million equity stake that is now worth $200 million. How do you think he got his own deal with NBC? The tour brokered that too. The tour is so reliant on Rory now, they've given him his own league, TGL, even though it will compete with the tour for viewers and advertisers. Rory's fighting so hard for the tour because he wants to preserve his revenue streams, not because he cares about the tour itself. That he is being held up as some kind of savior on Twitter and by all the fanboys with their shitty podcasts tell you how little people really understand what's going on. Um, that may be true to, to a large degree. I mean, it's all corporate. Tiger was corporate too. I mean, it, it all happens. The difference is blood money. 
direct from the government of a hostile country. Like, they're missing that piece? Yeah. I mean, that's the key difference here. Before anyone goes and says, this is John Rahm talking, Rory is fighting for John Rahm to be a part of Ryder Cups. He's fighting for the live guys to be back in the Ryder Cup mix. And again, if you want, you could look at that as self-serving as well. Right? Oh, he just wants to, you know, be as competitive as possible every two years at the Ryder Cup. We know how much that means to him. Yeah, I mean, if, be, I, if being corporate is is so, a sin, I mean, everybody on the at the top of the of the golf world is corporate. I mean, they've all got their deals. Blake, let me ask you this: You and I are both old enough to remember when open wheel racing was a really big deal yeah, in North America. huge. Now, huge. it was still the number two open wheel circuit in the world. Formula, we didn't care. Formula One was still big. We did not care. Juan Montoya, Paul Tracy, they were huge. We had Canadian stars, the late Greg Moore, of course, Paul Tracy, young Jacques Villeneuve before he made it yeah. to Formula One. Scott Goodyear was very competitive. There were a number of legacy names in the United the States. The Unser, Andretti, hmm. Ray Hall, hmm. on and on it went. Then they got into a fight, and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway basically said, no, we're taking our ball and going home. If you want to race kart, you don't get to race the Indianapolis 500, which at the time, Blake, was one of the signature events in North American sport, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Memorial Day weekend in the United States. The Indianapolis 500 was a massive deal pulling in casuals left, right, and center. Yeah, exactly. And then when the fractions and the factions started – the sport took a massive hit, and open wheel racing in Canada these days, well, there's no Molson Indy Vancouver. There's still a race in Toronto. Man. Doesn't do what it used to do. No, no, it's nowhere near. Is that possible for golf here? Uh, no, uh, not to the same level, because uh, you and I don't open wheel race on the weekend. Right, because of the participatory nature of the sport. That's right. So the sport is always going to be in your blood. The sport can't go away. Okay, so let me then ask you this. Does golf viewership really just revolve around the four majors going forward? I mean, they might. Are are the other PGA Tour stops effectively the St. Petersburg Grand Prix, which continues in open wheel racing and no one really pays attention? Yeah, yeah, I, I think there is that risk that all of this fractionalization means that we don't care about anything anymore. Meanwhile... You know, watching Pebble Beach, watching Riviera used to used to mean something. Yep. You know? Players' Championship. Yeah. So, yeah, what is the Players' Championship going to look like now? That used to be the fifth major, and now... Well, and that was arguably the best field in golf, yeah. too, along with the PGA Championship. So, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, super, super disappointing. Um, at ESPN Flora, Flora Kelly... It's not an overstatement to say the first year of the NBA's in-season tournament has been a success. At $4.6 million, the championship game is in line with what we expect from a solid NBA round one playoff number on ABC. Last year's non-game seven ABC first round numbers, 6.26, 5.54, those two beat them. But then 3.98, 7.52, 2.48. So they'd be right in the middle of the average first-round numbers from last year, as long as it's not a Game 7. Um, you know, the NBA has created something that matters enough. doesn't matter a ton, but it matters enough to the viewer that they will carve out that moment to yep. watch. They've done a nice job with it. 
Yeah. I didn't particularly love the courts being as colorful as they were. I couldn't follow the ball. But, no, I couldn't either. But that might just be because we're old. No, no. It's <laughs> demonstrably different than the parquet floor. It's weird. It does distinguish it, though. Yeah. And I think that was the point. Totally. You instantly know you're watching an NBA Cup game. Yeah. I go back to what I editorialized when this was first announced last year by the NBA. The NHL Hockey Canada ought to do a Canada Cup. Make these regular season games between Canadian NHL teams doubly significant. Mm. Put them into a seven-team round-robin tournament where you have designated games between Canadian opponents that also count as Canada Cup games and give the Canadian seven something to compete for beyond just the Stanley Cup because, as we know, 30-plus years and counting, and none of them have brought that sucker home. How about how about four? Gives, it gives you something else, like like we've been through it here. Dreadful seasons that are over by this time of year. Yeah, you're not looking forward to anything until the draft lottery. So give us a secondary pursuit if you happen to be a team that's struggling. How about a Northern Cup, a Southern Cup, a Western Cup, and an Eastern Whatever. Cup, and then you got a final if, four. If out of we it. must do the United States, and I'm sure they feel like they must do oh, the United States. Fair enough. Go cut that up and do it however you want. Yeah. But understand it's driven by, as most things hockey are, the appetite of Canadian hockey fans. Seattle or Buffalo would have to join the Northern Cup, one of the two. Well, you can do the Northeast Cup, you can do the West Coast Cup, and then you can do the... I know, but you need eight teams in each, so you, you need you need somebody wow. to defend. You've already done them. Wow, that yeah. was quick. Yeah, better than my math yesterday. Way yeah. better. <laughs> More on that in errors and omissions. <laughs> Although Yerkes found a way to put me on that E as well. I, yes, yeah. I'm out. I'm out too. It's hashtags for today. So, Carson Price from Wall Center and a presentation. Of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Kia in Langley would love to get you into the electric revolution, into the brand new 2024. That's a, that's a year. We're into 2024 here shortly, Matt. Did you ever think you'd live to see 2024? Well, I mean, I sure hope so. I don't know. 48. That seemed like a fake year. Like, we, we graduated high school in the 90s. Did you ever think you'd be like, we're going to be in the 30s soon? Does that seem real to you? Like, the 30s for us was when World War II started. We're going to be into the 30s again. That's weird Soon to me. enough. That's weird to me. Anyway, before you get into the 2030, 2023, 2030, Nero, the 2024 will certainly do. Finance it from 6.49% at Applewood Kia in Langley. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Will any cannot catch Nikita Kucherov in the scoring race? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. Joined now by the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, the co-host of the Bob McCallum podcast. And John Shannon, I was today years old when I learned that if you're in Quebec, you get every game in the NHL in your own yeah. language. Pretty well. Yeah. The, the, the national deal, you know, that 12-year deal we always talk about with Rogers uh, is also a 12-year deal for TVA uh, and their sports channel. And they can basically 
pick and choose whatever game they want other than the 62 games that are regional in Montreal for the Canadians on RDS. So yeah, they have, and, and, and they are a very talented group of people that do have been doing off tube voicing for years and years and years. Yes. So, you know, pick the game you like, what's the best game, you know, for years past, it's always been Pittsburgh because there's a real affinity for Crosby because of his play in Ramuski. Colorado for Pierre Lacroix and Patrick Waugh. Uh, and they, they just go and find the best games and their market can see them on a regular basis. And we ask you that because the first Connor versus Connor tonight, McDavid versus Bedard. Yep. And it's not available nationally in English across Canada. And I don't want to hear anything from people. You could get center eyes. This game is beyond center eyes. This, this, well, is, this is of national interest. So, so, it is on Sportsnet Plus. <laughs> Again, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't yeah. resist. Um, no, it's not. It and and I, I I'm not uh, privy to what the discussions were, but there are quotas that each team is allowed to take national. There's quotas that Sportsnet's allowed to take national, and they've elected on this night to actually do the Vegas Calgary game nationally on Sportsnet one and the Chicago Edmonton game is on Sportsnet West. Wow. So there is a national oh, game by the way, tonight. It is, it is, it is on ESPN in the United States. Yes. With, yes, our, pal, that's the with, our, with our pal Ray Ferraro. Yeah. So, so the national body in the national rights holder in the States saw, Hey, maybe we should televise that game, but not, not the national no. rights holder in Canada. Yeah, I don't, and I don't, I, I don't have any explanation. I don't have any reason uh, other than mm. you have to, or as the as the year goes on, you have to have as many Calgary games as Edmonton games national, and this right. probably fit into the matrix easier for them. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, moving right along, sir. We got Nikita Kucherov here in town Tuesday night, Rogers Arena. He leads the National Hockey League scoring race by seven points in advance of Vancouver's JT Miller, uh, Patterson at 37, Hughes at 36. We're wondering if any of the Canucks are going to catch Kucherov. What do you think? Is he gone? Well, I I think he's gone. I really do. And I think in the end, the race will be be between Kucherov and Connor McDavid. Um. And, and the the reason for that is that Tampa doesn't have much else. And so he's become such a focal point of the offense for, for Tampa as they, you know, they're, I don't know what they are anymore. And other than the fact that if they're getting, if they need offensive input, they're getting it from Nikita Kucherov. So, and I just, I, I see, in the Canucks, I see more balanced scoring, and I don't see that balanced scoring in Tampa right now. You know, Steven Stamkos is not as prolific as he once was. Um, Braden Point isn't prolific like he once was, uh, and it's you know the, the Kucherov's shoulders are pretty wide to carry what they have to do right now. And they listen, there's a chance Tampa doesn't make the playoffs. There is a chance that Tampa does not make the playoffs, and I don't think anybody would have envisioned that with that kind of lineup. Well, they've had to churn the, the roster through a little bit, right? I mean, this is the downside of a, of, a, of a salary cap league in that, you know, you get players to graduate on a quote-unquote championship team, 
And then all of a sudden they can command a lot more money on the open market and you can't afford it because of the, of the salary cap. That's right. You know, when you look at Blake Coleman in Calgary, Ross Calden in Colorado, uh, I saw Andre Palat play the other night for New Jersey. That's exactly what happens is the, the, some of those key support guys um, get too expensive. The, the big boys you can afford. You can afford Victor Hedman. You can afford Kucherov. I'm not sure you can afford Stamkos anymore, but that's another story for another day. Uh, but then you have to find a way to juggle all of these things and, and, and get younger players more inexpensive players, and then at a, at, at a certain point, be forced to jettison them as well. And, and by the way, then it becomes the judgment. Then it becomes the judgment of the people in charge. You know, I, I wonder now in, in Tampa's situation, would they revisit the Tanner Janot trade with what they gave up for Tanner Janot and what Tanner Janot has done since coming from Nashville? Or the, or well, the JT Miller trade, for that matter. <laughs> well, uh, what I will say, though, is... Hats off to Julian Bracebaugh and before him, Steve Eiserman and their staff, because they have done a magnificent job yep. of keeping competitiveness at a pretty high level for a lot of years when a lot of other markets, including the one you're in, you know, has often been heard whining about, oh, just when you build a team, you got to dissemble it because it, of the salary cap. It and does make you wonder, you know, though. There's fairness, there's fairness in that argument as well. But, you know, Tampa has been a bit of an antidote. Well, it, it does make you wonder shelf life. Uh, you know, what is the shelf life of, you know, we don't call them dynasties anymore, but, you know, championship teams. What's the, sh the shelf life in Tampa? What's the shelf life? What was it in Chicago? What, what's the shelf life in Pittsburgh right now? Look what they're going through with, with what they've done. You know, and all, all three of those franchises have been tremendously successful, have multiple Stanley Cups. Uh, but our start in Pittsburgh struggling. Look what you know, Chicago is. A dis uh, it was a disaster. It's hopefully on the upswing now. And can Tampa be how, how, how far behind can Tampa be if they aren't able to get that second tier of players that can compete at an elite level? And the Leafs are an example of a team that didn't even win the cup and is still having to monitor that situation just a little bit because, well, a, they've been at the top of the league in the regular season for so long that eventually you have to churn that as well. Exactly. Uh, John Cooper's been there for 10 years, which is pretty unheard of in the National Hockey League. Um, would he have been fired at some point early if he wasn't in a U.S. market, do you think? Would the feet have been to the fire a little bit more closely? No. Uh, okay. And that's where... Um, Steve Eiserman's patience early on rang true. Remember, he John came into a uh, a very tumultuous situation after uh, after Guy got fired, and and John Eiserman never wanted um, to fire settled Boucher. things down. Like, he was pushed into no, firing right. Boucher by his players effectively, and. Did not respond yeah, to, and, and then, to that. And then remember, they and then Cooper brought the triplets with him: Kucherov, Palat, and Johnson. And that was the beginning of the the because they had Stamkos and and they had a few other good players, but they could never play together. And Cooper was able to bring some of his own influence with some of his younger guys, bring them together. You know, they went to the Stanley Cup final in '15 against Chicago, and then missed the playoffs the following year. Um, but I think that there was a, a real uh, understanding that John Cooper was a modern day coach and John Cooper could 
work through these things. And, and it, it certainly it certainly has paid off. Can you imagine imagine being in the in the media in in Florida when you have Paul Maurice and John Cooper as Amazing. your coaches? Amazing. Oh oh, Two of the great man. communicators in the league. And I will say this, the Vancouver Canucks at some point in their history have to bring the lawyer from Prince George home. He will coach the Canucks one day. They will offer him bags of money. John well, Cooper. Well, to, be, to be honest, Hold this on. is not, this is this is not family here down in White Rock, if I'm not mistaken. Here's here's the headline. Sakaris getting rid of Tockett. No, I don't understand no, 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 no. <laughs> but that, that one day, one day. Here's the thing. Tockett doesn't have the championship pedigree as a head coach. As a head coach, you oh. wonder, uh, that would be the, that would line up nicely for the evolution of the Vancouver Canucks. Rick, Ta- Rick Tockett was a pretty good coach for those Pittsburgh Penguin teams. No, And speaking of, Sullivan gets the uh, vote of confidence there from Dubas. Huh? Uh, that's a fascinating. It, so I, I have a theory on that one. Uh, Penguins are coming to Toronto um, in the in the next four or five or six days. There's no way Kyle wants to do anything public in Toronto. There's no way he would do anything. So what you do is you have a press conference in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh before you go on the road. And so Kyle had his press conference yesterday, and obviously with the team struggling the way they're struggling, you have to be asked about. Mike Sullivan and and meaning I mean Kyle I mean I wish he would have even said more. No, Mike Sullivan's the coach here as long as he wants to be the coach here. But do you think Kyle is going to pick someone and do an interview in Toronto? Do you think Dubas is going to release it? Do you see that sort of flame fanning when the penguins come to town? I think Kyle will be stealth. I think Kyle will do nothing. Uh, for the record, I have talked to the Penguins six times. I view Kyle as not a, not a friend, but a, as an acquaintance. Mm-hmm. I have my relationship with Kyle goes all the way back to his time in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, I have requested him to come on our show six times, politely, and I have never he's. I think he's staying away from Canadian media period. And this, that's the way it is. It, the only exception would be, and is that, uh, that he does Rogers nationally with Ron McLean if they request it. And I'm sure they have requested it and they, they might've turned them down. Does Rod Brindamore have a John Cooper like leash, uh, players only meeting after the loss to the Canucks 20 minutes long. Uh, <laughs> is that just them about trying to, trying to find themselves, not so much about them shutting out Rod Brindamore. There is something missing in Carolina. Uh, uh, you know, we in watching them the last week or so and watching them in Edmonton with the famous, we're going to lose 50, nothing speech. Um, there is something missing and whether it's a disconnect between the players and the coach or a disconnect between uh, the coach and the manager, or, or there is something missing right now. Obviously, their goaltending is not what it should be. Remember, this was a team that was supposed to have the best defense in the National Hockey League. With all with Brady Shea and Brett Pesci and all, all these guys, Brett Burns. Uh, and all of a sudden, they have the worst um, uh, save percentage in the National Hockey League. And... There, there is something not right in Carolina. You don't have to be a, 
rocket scientists understand that, and I don't know what it is. Mark my words, Shannon, there will come a day when we bring Rod the Bond from Campbell <laughs> Riddle River, British Columbia, wow. home to coach the Vancouver He loves the coaching connections to BC. I do. Bring them all home. There it is. Sakaris, fire talking, bring in Brenda Boyce. Fire Boyce today, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But that whole division, <laughs> talking about like coaches, communicators, that whole division, even. Uh, Talkin's a good communicator, though. No, Talkin's a great yeah. communicator. I love Talkin no, as a communicator. Know, but there is no issue with Rip Talkin, period. No. End of story. No. Hey, Luongo, Ring of Honor night here Thursday. Well, where were no. you? Should they have retired his number or is Ring of Honor appropriate enough for a player of Roberto's stature? I would have retired the sweater. I, I would have retired yeah. it. Uh, I think that he's, you know, I, I, not to, I, people in BC don't like to hear too much about the Edmonton Oilers. I like what the Oilers rule is. The Oilers rule is you go in the ring of honor, unless you are inducted into the hockey hall of fame, at which point you then qualify to have your number retired. Mm-hmm. And so that, and that's really logical. That's some common sense there. Um, it began, uh, Glenn Sather was the one who put the rule in place, uh, and they have, they've continued it well after Glenn left. So I, I, I would, I would be retiring Roberto Luongo's number one. I don't think I really I'd heard that expressed before about the well, Oilers. Incidentally, John, the, the festivities around this, we've, we've been, we've lived through some ring of honor, uh, uh ceremonies here in Vancouver, yeah. the festivities around this are not equal to the other ones that we have seen. It's sort of like we're all looking at each other going, this is a lot bigger than you normally go it's like here. It's a hybrid here. Yeah, like there, yeah. this is a, a middle tier they've created here because not all Ring of Honor ceremonies are, are clearly yeah. created equal. No, and, and but it, well, I, I think it speaks to perhaps somebody in the organization feeling that really he, he should be retired, but, you know, they they hate to be backed into a corner. They do, and yep. that's that's exactly. I re, well, when when it came out that it was going to be just the Ring of Honor and not a retired sweater, then that became a, a huge issue. You know, and, you know, and and you can have, you know, and, and this, and there's going to be a vintage of Canuck fans saying, "Well, if you do that, you have to do Kirk McLean." That's not true. No, you don't. You don't. Have, you don't have to do anything. You know, I I look at organizations that have retired sweaters. Um, you know, and, and the mul- multiple guys have worn the sweater and, and, and that, that's not a factor. I, I think that, I think Roberto deserves to be, have the number one in the rafters and nobody wears one again. And for a wise cracking goalie, like Roberto Luongo, they had an out after they made the initial mistake of announcing it as a ring of honor. And Matt's probably sick and tired of me hearing this, probably the listeners too. They had an out. You surprised Roberto on the night. And you have everybody looking at the Ring of Honor, and then you put shine the spotlight over to his jersey, and you surprise him, and you retire the jersey. It was there for them, but now they're releasing merchandise that says Ring of Honor, so yeah. that option is is out that, the door. That said, I think uh, I I think at Rogers Arena, I think the Ring of Honor is the best one in the NHL. It's a good one for sure because it's got really the visage good. and everything. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, I think they they really dress it up nicely, so. Uh, and, and I and I don't want to dis, uh, dispel anybody that has their their number retired. I like Stan Smeal should his number twelve should be retired in Vancouver. I was just going to say, John. I mean, on the Glenn Sather rule, 
McNeil and Linden are not retired here right. in right. town, which would be abhorrent for a lot of Canucks yeah. fans. The other thing Secondly, has come, the other thing has come up is do the Ring of Honor is so good, John. Uh, I think it was Jeff Patterson that mentioned this. It actually looks better than the retired numbers because you get the whole the whole picture. Like, is that not the better real estate in Rogers Arena? That's my point about yeah. the way yeah. the display works, particularly uh, the way that arena is constructed. Yeah. Mm. Secondly, you say people in Vancouver don't like to hear about the Oilers. Well, they really don't like to hear this part of it. They've had so many great players. They have to be more discerning. Yes, correct. Right. Oh no, no. That, that and and that was the that was the vision from the beginning because Sather, you know, Sather had so many influences from his time in Montreal. He wasn't there very long, right. but he understood looking up to the rafters that you, you know, you, you had to make sure you had a, a certain credentials in order to get your number retired at the old forum and and now at at the Bell Center. And he brought that same those same rules and regulations to to Edmonton, and it just made it just wow. made sense. I mean, look how long it took for Kevin Lowe to have his number four retired um, uh, in in that scenario, uh, and they had to wait until he got into the Hall of Fame. Wow. There and Edmund, and, and when you talk about non Hall of Fame guys, there is a number there. There is one number in Edmonton in the Hall of Fame, and that's Al Hamilton who was retired as a WHA player that they left up and they've, and they've maintained their respect for Al Hamilton by having his number three retired. And so it could, it, it, there are always, there are always exceptions. As long as you show respect and common sense, I think they could work it out. Well, I'll do you one better for the longest time in Montreal. There were six numbers retired. Yeah. Plant, Harvey, Lafleur, Richard, Richard, and Morenz. And I once asked Ken Dryden, I was like, Ken, like, how many Stanley Cups did you win? And he said, whatever it was, six, seven. And uh, I said, your number's not retired? And he's like, oh, it's a very high standard there. And I don't make the grade. Well, they've since, they have since uh, relented and they've put guys like Cornoyer and Dryden and Serge Savard and some of their other great players. Did I mention Beliveau? Beliveau was an original retired number as well. Um, so they've had to adapt, if you will, John, to changing the boom booms up there now as well. So they've had to adapt to changing times when they wanted to draw the strictest, hardest line in the yeah. game yeah. at one point. Well, and, and, and you're right about, by the way, dragged to think one six. Um, so, uh, I, the, the, you know, that a lot of that came with time too. And I mm-hmm. think that's the magic of, what sports has. I mean, you know, it, just because it doesn't happen today, doesn't mean it can't happen one day. That's fair. And, fair. and, and so there is that, that time element that's on everyone who does, thinks they deserve to be, or people think that they, that a player deserves to be retired. They have that time. Uh, lastly, my friend, for anybody who worried about the physicality oh. of the sport going away, it has been a hell of a week in body checks or in some cases, dirty hits. We need you, the stop signs back. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, do you have any theories as to why we're seeing these absolute collisions? I end, up talking, I end up talking to, to an NHL coach about this the other day. And he said, you can feel behind the bench in the last seven to 10 days, the level of compete just starting to grow. 
mm-hmm. and that people are now saying, okay, and you know, forget about U.S. Thanksgiving and the numbers and the playoffs. Is everything's tightening up? You know, there there isn't, you know, teams aren't losing ten nothing and ten one anymore. Uh, everybody's competitive, and people are looking past the holidays now to say, oh. It's not that long until January and the playoff drive starts. We better get our acting gear. And people are just playing that much more physical. They, people are dialed in to play the game right now. And that's why we're seeing a lot more speed. And we're seeing a lot more play along the boards like we've seen with Evander Kane and Nick Cousins and Eric Robinson and I mean, who, and Ross Calton. I mean, it's, it's become a, a, a vicious circle. And then you get the stuff like David Perron. Uh, and uh, Anton Zub in the Ottawa-Detroit game, it is it is getting vicious. I'm sure this is because the Canucks are just competitive for the first time in forever. But correct me, like, does it feel like this is the first normal year post-pandemic? Like, there was, it took us a, a few years to sort of Last get back year on was normal, just not here. No, I know, but... It, <laughs> But but just even from a, an economic standpoint, from the NHL, is this mm-hmm. it, it did was last year the first normal year? Or do you feel like this yeah. one feels like the most normal year since the no pandemic? last year was the normal year when you think of the cycle of when things happened and what what happened? And you're right, I think that Vancouver was still out of the loop a little bit because of the way the team played and and the um, you know it, it it feels like forever ago that Bruce got fired. Oh. You know, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's a different world. You've lived a thousand um, lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so last year was a normal year, maybe in, in 31 cities. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, I think there's something to be said that the Canucks have, have come back into the 32 team league and, and now it's normal. <laughs> you know, and, and there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole bunch of players. There's a whole bunch of players that uh, the younger players, like the, the Cole Perfettis of the world, that have finally reached their potential uh, because they they lost a year and a half due to COVID, whether That's it be junior point, hockey and the, and, and, and the shortened season. All right. Yeah. Uh, last question. Do you get TVA sports on your cable package, John Shannon? I, yeah, I yes, could, so. but I don't. I could, okay. I don't, but I don't. All right. So will you be watching on uh, Center Ice or Plus tonight, Connor versus Connor? Boys, I am there live. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> oh, to be John Shannon. Honestly, to be John Shannon. <laughs> I Enjoy am the there game. live. We'll it's going to be. I, I'll tell you what. If we talk about compete levels, I guarantee you, number ninety-seven, not number ninety-eight. He'll be good anyway. I guarantee <laughs> you, number ninety-seven will be on the top of his game tonight. Defending hey. the crown. Yes. When when uh, when uh, we talked to Frank Carrado once about Sidney Crosby, he said you could tell that Sidney would roll through Montreal or Edmonton, one of the Canadian markets or one of the big stars in the game across the here. way. Yeah. You could tell that Sidney would up his level. So I have Absolutely. no doubt McDavid will do the same. Uh, enjoy the game. We'll need a full report next Tuesday. Cheers, boys. Carson Price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. going to be great. Super great. Monday's poll question, is it time to trade Andre Kuzmenko? More than 1,700 votes. What did the people say, yes or no? They said no. Correct. Percentage? 58. 63. 
This thing was tracking a lot closer to 50-50. Evening voting really went no. Clint, Kuzmenko for TANF. And he tweeted this before TANF in, the TANF entry last night. What do you think? I think they would want more. I think they'd say that they want more. The but Flames it, or yeah, the Canucks? the Flames. For an expiring defenseman? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oof. It's too bad because, it, like, it, I think it's a I great. Mean, I, I think the Canucks could look at it and go, it's a 39-goal guy last year. He's got 43 in 106 games under contract for next season. I, I wish Kuzmenko had, like, eight goals, seven goals. <laughs> you know, like, I you think, think that makes all I the think difference? it makes a difference, honestly. It would, it would be just enough to make you think, he is going. He's just not going to the same rate. Law, he can't trade him because the value isn't there right now, but should trade him because he's just not the type of player who performs in the playoffs. I think that's fair, too. Chris, the time to trade Kuzmenko was last season when his value was at its absolute peak. Many of us wanted that trade. Regression was always something was always obvious to the educated fan who knew he wasn't going to repeat a twenty seven percent shooting every, percentage. Everybody agreed to that. I, I hate that that being trotted out right now. No one thought. No one thought. Oh, he'll just play be a twenty seven percent shooter. We all knew he would come back down. But if he comes back down to be a twenty eight goal scorer, that's fine too. Yeah. But he's not doing that right now. Rob the siding guy, if they can't move Garland, maybe move Coos. He's the only option, not unlike when Gillis wanted to trade Luongo but couldn't. So traded Schneider instead. Okay. Jocko, he never should have went to Bali to train last summer. That was the end for him in Tockett's eyes. He's a hell of a player. They will get a nice return for him if they do move him. Maybe. I I, I don't know that they will get a nice return. I, would you, would you say that statement is a true statement? I still think they're getting a better return than you think right now. Um, I still think, look, I don't dispute that if it goes on a couple more months and he's still very quiet and he's still not getting ice time and all that, that there will be a diminishment in his trade value. But as I mentioned yesterday, I would rather accept less for him in a trade return by the deadline and see if you can figure it out now, then trade him now at low ebb and have him come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. I, I would still, you've got time. You've got a cushion in the playoff race, so use it. See if you can get him back up to the player that he was last year or even close. As you say, a 28-goal scorer is fine. Now, on this Otani matter from yesterday. So he's deferring $68 million per year in his $70 million annual salary. Sports business expert Darren Ravel said, luxury tax evasion, this deal will not be approved as it is. Other owners won't allow it. Jeff Blair in Toronto, a sports fan, man, there'd be a revolt in every other Major League Baseball city if he'd done this in Toronto, which is probably true. Jeff Passan informs that there's actually a clause in the CBA for anyone wondering if Major League Baseball will challenge or cancel Otani's contract, the answer is unequivocally no. There's a specific article in the collective bargaining agreement that addresses this, and it's very clear. Deferred money is limitless, even $680 million of a $700 million salary. Nightingale of USA Today, Bob. Talk to me like I'm five. What's the purpose of the deferment? So right now he's a resident of California. Yeah. And I saw somebody do the math math on Saturday. 
California with its state tax, with its jock tax, with its billionaire tax, because believe it or not, California actually taxes billionaires, Blake. It's the damnedest thing. Millionaires. He was going to take home about 33, 34 million of 70 million oh, annually. Poor guy. Just have to get pie on that when you, think, when you talk it like that. If he defers it all and moves from California, goes to Vegas or wherever, Japan likely, he's going to save all that tax money. Now, that said, because this money is being deferred, others have done the calculations from Bob Nightingale who figure it's roughly about a $460 million package because of the deferrals. So he's losing on the tax, but not having the money cash in hand and being able to invest it, and of course with the inflation. Uh, So they're calculating it effectively in real dollars of about $46 million a year. But here's the thing. Some have it down at $387 million. But here's the thing. This allows the Dodgers to go out and spend money right now. J.D. Bunkus, SportsCenter. The worst part about the Otani deferral is we're all going to bitch, but it's pure jealousy. Every market gripes about greedy players, and the best baseball player on earth just kicked $680 million down the road to help his team win. L.A. just won multiple lotteries. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess. Although that money has to get paid by the Dodgers eventually. <laughs> so I was thinking about this from Otani's point of view and what his representative would have said. And, and play along with me here. The risk in deferring this amount of money is in the next 10 years, baseball collapses as a commercial enterprise. Dodgers go bankrupt, you're a creditor. Or the big one hits, L.A. falls in the Pacific and there is no more franchise. Those are your two biggest ones as you well, see it? Well, I mean, what else could take place in the next 10 years? U.S. Civil War. Well, there's that too. <laughs> it's funny. I recently made an investment in the United States and I asked my uh, U.S. partner on this, the principal, what happens if Trump gets elected or what happens if Trump doesn't get elected and people think yet again that the election's like, are you guys basically headed for your second civil war? Yeah. Yeah, it's a interesting place. <laughs> interesting place. Okay, errors and omissions from yesterday and it's a long list. Long, long list. I don't want to get into it. Okay. So Blake made a math error with regards. Well, I didn't. Somebody else did, and then I just went along with it. Well, yeah. still your error. Yeah, I, I, I forwarded it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with regards to Otani being able to give everybody in the United States a million dollars, no, he's able to give everybody in the United States two dollars. Yeah. Um, I said you're missing a zero, for which Yerky corrects me. No, Matt, he's missing three zeros. Millions to billions, sure enough. Oh, you so see, you get to fritter away the math. Did I call him Anton Zub? I thought I called him Artem Zub. No, Yerky says you called him Anton. Oh, so you didn't check it? No. Okay. John so the, Shannon called him Anton Zub today. 
that will uh, we'll shelve that one. We'll Damn Anton it. Forsberg, I tell you. Apparently, I said NHL when I meant NFL or vice versa. I make that mistake almost daily, and really, a regular listener like Yerky should know that. And then Blake Price, mm-hmm. Greek Town, Vancouver. Google it. Greek Town in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, is an area in the Kitsilano neighborhood that was historically an enclave of Greek immigrants and their descendants. The term is an informal one, and Greektown's borders are not strictly defined. However, mm. West Broadway around Trutch Street is generally considered the neighborhood's heart. I live very close to there. While Blenheim Street to the west, McDonald Street to the east are approximately its outer limits. And we have Tracy in the inbox saying, totally agree with Matt that Kitts is Greek town. She grew up in Kitts. Absolutely. Now lives in the burbs of Abbotsford. She says Greek days in Kitts was an annual highlight. Absolutely. And many of my classmates in the local school were of Greek descent. Thank you. I still miss their warmth and sense of community. Basketball yes. Phil, Matt Sikaris is incorrect about Kitts. No, no, about no, 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 no. Basketball Phil does not live in Kitts. I'm disappointed in you, Blake, because you're a deep cuts and a B-side guy. This is something about our community that isn't blared over the loudspeaker, but residents know. Those on the inside know. No. Grady, I'm also disappointed in you as a former resident of Kits to not know this, but it is quite clear that Greek Town, to the extent, uh, to the extent that uh, you want to make the comparison to uh, the Danforth in Toronto is Kitsilano. Clearly, uh, I'm disappointed in you as well. If, if we're declaring our disappointments, adding one extra Greek restaurant per block does not a Greek town make. No, it's about the people who live there. Oh, oh like, really? Who give it the spirit. You, you just hear uh, you hear Greek talk. Uh, you do. You uh, hear Greek block. on the streets. Oh, you do. Shit. What are you talking about? There's not a chance. I was at Marina at Maria's Tavern on Friday. I heard a couple. Everybody's in the talking Olympiakos versus uh, <laughs> Athens. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all all the rage. You yeah. go to Maria's Tavern. You go to. Uh, Olympia, you tell me that it's not Greek town. Mm-hmm. I can, and I'm not even Greek. People think I'm Greek because my name sounds Greek. It's not Greek. There's on Lonsdale North End. There's like six Greek restaurants. No, but yeah. that's yeah. not Is what makes no. Is it Greek town? No. Is it Greek town? But do you have res- my landlord's Greek? My ex landlord's Greek. I believe you me, Kit Solano. I don't Greek town. You. I don't believe no, it. No, I'm, I'm not hearing anything more. It's right. It's got a Wikipedia page. Oh, because that that's the defining thing. There's two Hungarian now guys. I want there's Greek a Greek food. festival there. Damn it. There's two Hungarian guys that live down my block. It, it, my street is Little Hungary. Um, in, oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Moving on. Hassan in the inbox says, not sure if this is an E or an O, but I absolutely think teal is part of the green family, Thank not you. the blue. Thank no, you. I'm team blue. No, it isn't. St. George's Greek Orthodox oh, Cathedral, oh, West 7th and Vine. He's not letting it die. Anything else from you? No. Hmm. Let's get to our Betway bets of the day. Uh, Frankly, I would like to be Greek. I wish I was Greek. (laughs) 
You're Hungarian, actually. I would trade in the Hungary yeah. for Greek. Sekarapolos. You should really move on to my street. Be, join Little Hungary. I think I might just change the vowels in my last name to I. From E to I. Then I'd be Greek. That way, bets of the day. The Las Vegas Raiders scored exactly zero points Sunday against the Vikings. But the Chargers have put Justin Herbert on IR. Do you know who the backup quarterback is there? Mm, no. Oh, yeah. The guy who should play hockey. First name ah. Easton, last name Stick. Middle name Synergy. <laughs> is it really? No. Oh. If you played, you'd understand. Is he Greek? No. Well, no, but if you're leaning into Easton as the first name when your last name is Stick, God knows what they considered for the Is it just name. coincidence or is there a hockey influencer? We'll put that on Easton O's for tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and so Easton Stick yeah. under center? Give me the Raiders minus three. I'm going to lean into our teal conversation. Eagles versus Seahawks begs it. Is there a teal? They both have. What are you talking about? No. Eagles are teal now. Yeah. They've gone teal. That's not teal. Yeah, it is. A few weeks ago, they wore the throwback Kelly greens. Right. That's green. No, it's just a darker green. 150 on the Eagles. Who are they playing? Seahawks. When? Monday. Or Tuesday. Yeah. Next year. You're betting it this far in advance? You don't have no injury report? Early line movements. Seahawks. Risky business. Seahawks. You're taking the Seahawks? No, I'm taking the Eagles. It is the Seahawks. Oh. Ergo, you can bet on them against them right now. It's only the Seahawks. Four-point spread. You're just taking them straight up? Straight up. One and a half. It's like it's like extracting a tax. It's just it's easy. Eagles got to get back in the win column. Uh, I, I need to take you guys to Greek days this summer oh in kits. And frankly, since you're in for Greek Days, you might as well come for Catsalano and come for Kits Fest. Make it the trifecta this year in Kits, gentlemen. Kits it's, Fest there's not a better a place in the summer celebration. in this community than Kitsilano. The food is unbelievable. The people are fantastic. Catsalano, they closed down West Forest from Burrard all the way to McDonald. You see all the vendors. We bought some artwork there. The artists are terrific as well. And then, of course, there's Kits Fest with Howard Kelsey down on the beach in August. Must be 19-plus to play on Betway, that is. <laughs> Not for Castellano Greek Fest or Kids Fest. No, you're uh, – must be 19. Please play responsibly. And thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rinkwide, and Canucks Conversation, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.